Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. That 30 seconds is always the most intimidating portion of teaching for me. Because I'm like, is it right? Is it right? Am I, am I up there too early? Are they watching me or the video? It's just, ah, oh, my heart gets racing whenever I hear those bumper videos and stuff. Um, I'm seeing a lot of faces that I don't recognize, which is so rad because I haven't taught here in a little bit. And so I'm excited to see new faces. That means new people are coming to this church, which is a huge, yeah, let's amen that for sure. We're excited when we start to see new people find and follow Jesus. That's why we're here. That's what we do. That's the heartbeat, and that's the, the heart and soul of our church, of our community. My name is Chad Wilson. I'm a part of the team here. I, uh, my wife Jillian and I are the location pastors up in Scotts Valley. So we get to be up there once uh, we have one service up there at 10 a.m. Sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. Uh, we, we've been there for two years. We've been here, a part of the team. And I get to come down here occasionally and, and meet some new, new faces. It's so rad, and I love this experience of getting to come down here and, and uh, introduce myself. Because if I see the same faces over and over, that means we aren't doing our job. Right? Because I'm not the church. Y'all are the church. We are the church. And so if we are living a life that is transformed and we are impacting our community, that means we are on mission with Jesus. So we're excited for that. And if you've been around uh, for the last few weeks, you know that we are in a series called Heart and Soul. And Heart and Soul is the, is the, the rhythm, the, be, the reason for Hope Church and the Coastlands. It's the reason for, for our existence. It's what we value as a community. And this week, we are getting into another one of our values. But before we get there, I want to uh, just reiterate what our, our purpose is. Our purpose here at Hope Church and the Coastlands is to be one church in multiple locations, reaching, restoring, and releasing people to live transformed lives. That is the purpose of what we do here. It is to reach, restore, and release. That's the reason we gather. And our vision, the engine behind it, is that we want to unify people on the, mis- on the mission of Jesus to multiply these communities of transformational living. That's the, that's the vision. And then our values, we've gone over that we're a partnering church. We're a real church. We are an accessible church. We are intergenerational. And today we're going to be going over that we're a simple church. We, we are simple. Uncomplicating our lives to live like Jesus. And the next two weeks we're going to be looking at how we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and we're discipling people. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Micah chapter 6. If you don't have your Bible, we got one up in the sky behind me. No, uh, Micah 6, 8. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. 
that sounds pretty doable. That sounds pretty doable from my perspective. If this is all God wants is for me to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him, I mean, I feel like that's not terribly out of reach. I feel like it's, it's something that I have the ability to attain. You're all good. <laughs> oh. But uh, <laughs> I don't know what's worse, the, the thunk or the sorry. <laughs> oh. Anywho, anywho. Um, but if you go up, what's really cool is you look at Micah 6.8, and it seems very simple, very easy, very doable. But if you, if you take a little, a little panoramic view out and you look at the context of it and go up to verses 6 and 7, you get a little bit better window at the human perspective and God's perspective. You see here in, in verse 6 and 7, what can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children and pray to his sins? No, don't do that. People want to overcomplicate things. I, I, I won't speak for people. I'll speak for myself. Chad wants to earn it. I want to strive for it. I want it to be something that I have to conquer. But Jesus already did that work for me. You see, I don't have to earn. I don't have to strive. I don't have to reach. I don't have to grasp after. See, that's, that's what the, the first sin really was, was, was humanity grasping after power, grasping after control, grasping, reaching, striving, complicating our lives. You see, Jesus does the heavy lifting when you read the gospel. Jesus does the heavy lifting when you look at the text, when you look at the life, when you look at following him. We simply get to accept and follow. So I'm going to go back to Micah 6, 8 for a second. This is what he requires of you to do what is right to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. doesn't sound like all the sacrificing and, and earning and giving and, and this, that, and the other that we read previous that they wanted to do. What the people wanted to do, how they wanted to please God, how they wanted to earn their cleansing. You see, God doesn't like that overcomplicated stuff. And I have a few perspectives or ideas on why. But... <clears throat> All right, I'm, uh, where's the camera? Mom, if you're watching this, I love you. I love you so much. You're the best mom I could ever have. But because I love you, I get to kind of poke fun at you from time to time. If you're a mom, you know. My mom tells stories like it's just the most banana path ever. It's just going left, right. It's like playing ping pong. I don't even know. She, she'll tell a story like this. Well, here, I'll tell you the way my dad tells the story first. Oh, I was at Target yesterday. I saw Tom. He says hello. All right, cool. It was straight to the point. My mom? Mm-mm. She's like, oh, I was at Target yesterday. I saw, oh, who did I see? What's his name? You know, he's married to. Um, anywho, well, I was at Target because I realized I was out of dish soap, and then I went to get dish soap, and then 
when I realized I was out of dish soap is because I made lasagna. I made lasagna last night. I got a recipe. You should check out that recipe. And I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, cool. Where is this going? And then she's like, oh, that's right. I was at Target. Why was that at Target? Who did I see at Target that I, oh, I saw Tom. I, Tom, you know Tom. He, he was your third grade teacher's uncle who, no, you don't remember Tom? Okay, well, you've seen Tom before, and she's trying to convince me that I know Tom. And I'm like, that's great. I, I probably do know Tom. And she keeps going on and on and on about this story just to tell me that Tom said hello. <laughs> it's very complex. It's very complicated. It's very roundabout. But it's cool. I love my mom, but I do sometimes prefer the way my dad tells me stories because I get the information I need quickly. I need at least an hour when I call my mom. I could ask her one question. True story, when I was about, I was like 16, my mom called me and I was sleeping in. It was like 9 o'clock on a Saturday, so I was still sleeping. And she called me and she was asking me about my chores and all this and I, she was just going on. And I put my phone down and went back to sleep. And I woke up about half an hour, uh, half an hour later or so. She was still talking. <laughs> Not a joke. That is a, that is a real life experience from my childhood. That's how my mom tells stories. She really loves the details. She really likes to make things complicated, which is fun. It's great. It's entertaining, but it's not always the best. See, my wife and I are similar uh, from a different perspective. Whenever we have a party or we invite people over or we're going to something, I love everything. I want to get, I want to go to uh, the store and I want to buy new decor and I want to buy this, that, and the other. And I want to just go all out for a party. I love it. We were having a, a, a 4th of July block party a couple years ago and everyone signed up to bring something. I think we signed up to bring like a side dish. I went to the store, I bought tri-tip, I bought side dish, I bought salad, I bought cookies, I bought, I bought an entire meal, not for a family, but for like four families, and I cooked it all and brought it all. That's what I want to do. I want to complicate things. My wife's like, hold on, what if, pause, what if we just brought one side? <laughs> now, I know this is crazy. You signed up to bring a side, and you brought a side. I don't know. See, we have these tendencies to complicate things. I at least have tendencies to complicate things in my life. Like I said earlier, sometimes I just want to earn it. I want to, I want to do it, accomplish something. But when we look at things in our lives, we realize In-N-Out Burger is so amazing. And all they do is burgers. And it's the best burger in the world. Do not even try to tell me it's not. What a burger is not happening. In and out burger. I will drive for that. Chick-fil-A, all they do is chicken. And it's amazing. These companies that they just focused in on something simple. They focused in on something doable. They don't try to overcomplicate things. Have you ever tried to set a password recently? I mean, back in the day, you could like. Like, Chad's Facebook was my password, and it was awesome. Now it's like, you, I mean, I think I had, had some hieroglyphics in there. I need like 19 characters that aren't even in the American alphabet. I think I was doing some sign language at one point. I don't know. But setting a password is so complicated nowadays. Or is it just me? 
or I don't know if you have, have had or have toddlers. Enough said. Toddlers complicate how they do things. They just want to do things different, complicated. I have a, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Let me tell you, they love to make things. I'm trying to teach my five-year-old sports. He, he's a, he wants to play baseball and hockey and football, but he doesn't want to play football by football rules. He wants to play football by Noah's rules. I'm like, man, that's complicated. It's just so you win, isn't it? But no, he wants to make everything so much more complicated and complex because he's discovering, he's learning, but he also reasons and thinks like a child. So his reasoning, his thoughts, and his approach aren't developed yet. That's what he's doing by learning that the complicated way isn't the best way. But I want you to hear something right now that really struck me as I was preparing for this message. And um, I know that most of, most of the time when I teach, my best thoughts come from the lessons I learn during it. So I hope that this uh, hits someone in a positive way that it hit me. Simple does not equal convenient. Simple does not equal convenient. Because I got to thinking about my life and when I'm following Jesus best, when I'm closest to him, my life's not always convenient. It's not always convenient to go and love someone that he asked me to go put my arm around. It's not always convenient to give when I don't have a surplus. It's not always convenient to hold my tongue when I think someone needs to hear the truth. It's not always convenient, but it's simple to listen. It's simple to follow. And in a world where we have convenience, I mean, we have convenience you don't even have to get in your car and drive through McDonald's to get McDonald's anymore. You can tap an app and it'll be delivered to you. That's convenient. But if you've ever used a smartphone, it's not always easy or simple. So how do we simplify our lives to follow Jesus? How do we do this? If we can understand the concept that following Jesus is simple, and we need to uncomplicate our lives. How do we do this? Well, first, we need to listen to his voice. You need to listen to the voice of God speak to you. He will. And a lot of it is in written form called the Bible. It's the word of God. It's a great place to hear his voice. And in Luke 10... Verses 38 through 42, we see a, a picture, we see a story, an interaction with Jesus that highlights this need to listen to him, that highlights this need to sit with him. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. So you have these sisters, and you have Martha and Mary. And it says that Martha welcomed Jesus in. And that's amazing. I hope that if you haven't yet, you welcome Jesus into your life. But I hope even more that you sit at his feet. Because as we continue, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. I, co I connect with Martha. I mean, I'm preparing a big dinner. Ooh, I'm distracted. I'm in go mode. I got the Traeger going. 
I got the oven on, mashed potatoes rolling, let's do this. She was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Isn't it unfair that I'm distracted? Isn't it unfair that I'm not seeing the bigger picture? Isn't it unfair that I'm not getting my way? Isn't it unfair? But the Lord said to her, dear Martha, I hear it's so compassionate. I hear that so compassionate, just like, Martha. It's like, Martha, come on. Let me, let me help you out here. You're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. There's only one thing. Do you think we could do one thing? I'm not very good at multitasking. I check myself into it. If you look at my browser, it's like 19 tabs open. I never go back to the browser. But I'm really good at one thing when I put my mind to it. When I focus, I'm really good at one thing. You think we can do one thing and do it well? Can we listen to him? Can we sit with Jesus and listen? Can we be still and know that he's God? That life might be unfair, but I thank God that it's unfair. Because if it was fair, Jesus wouldn't have paid my debt. The unfair system is what blessed me with grace. I want it to be unfair because Jesus gets to do the heavy part. So there's only one thing. And then after that, we need to love like he loves. Does anyone else ever have that hard time loving someone that you, that you don't agree with? Or is that, is that a personal problem? Is that just a me thing? All right, all right, cool. Sometimes it's hard for me to love someone that I'm like, I just don't agree with you. I, I got some really close people in my life that I, I have, a, I, I call them EGRs, extra grace required. They're hard to love. But you know what I've learned about tough love? It's not about saying things that are harsh and blanketing it and saying it's because I love you. It's loving people when it's hard. That's tough love. And I'm so thankful that Jesus loved me when it was tough. There's times in my life where I actively run away from him instead of sitting with him. But you know what Jesus says about that? When he was asked what the greatest commandment, when he's asked by, by a scholar, what's the biggest thing we should focus on from the Old Testament? From the last thousands of years, what should we really narrow in on? Love your Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. To love your neighbor as yourself is, is up there with loving God. Love God and love people is what Jesus summarized thousands of years to. Human interaction. God's word was summarized into a sentence that you could put on a billboard. Love God, love people. Do we love like God loves? It's pretty, again, 
Simple doesn't mean easy. Simple doesn't mean convenient. But simple is to love God and to love people. Even people that you disagree with. Even people that look different than you. Even people that sound different than you. Even people that are mean, cruel, hurtful, slanderous. Even those people. I'm reminded that Jesus loved Barabbas. So if you're not familiar with that, when he was on trial, there's a, there's a rebel who was, who was incarcerated as well, and they, they asked for Barabbas back over Jesus. Jesus took his place and then died for his sins. Jesus hung next to a criminal who cursed him. That's loving people. Not, not, not people who are neat and tidy and say what you say and do what you do. No, people who are opposite. And love them as yourself. And then we see Jesus live through surrender. We see him live a life of surrender. Before he was arrested and taken to the cross, he went to a garden called Gethsemane. We find that in Matthew 26. He went a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible... Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus, Jesus, God in a bod is saying, what do you want, Father? I will do your will, not my will. Because my will right now, my flesh right now is telling me I don't want to go through this. It's going to hurt. It's not going to be convenient. It's not going to be easy. But I will simply follow you. I will simply do what you have asked me to do. I will surrender my will to yours. I will simply do what you've asked me to do. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I'm going to encourage you right now to to pray a dangerous prayer, a scary prayer. Pray that prayer. Jesus, I want your will, not mine. I want to love like you love, not through my filter. I want to sit at your feet and hear what you want to tell me. I want to hear the the truths that you say about me, not the lies that I hear from social media. I want to hear the truth in who you designed me and created me to be. What giftings have you given me, not what skill sets has someone used from me? We see it too here in 1 Samuel 15, 22. I'll give you a little back history on this. King Saul was the first king of Israel, and he was, he was given these instructions, and they were, they were uh, conquering a land, and he was given instructions to not let anything come back. And he didn't quite follow the instructions well. Um, his, I'd say his ego got in the way. Go figure. Uh, a king having an ego. Um, I think his ego got in the way, and he wanted to parade the conquered king 
in front of his people. He wanted to steal the livestock and the profits and the gains to show how powerful he was. And then he would uh, blanket this in a facade of submission to God because then he wanted to sacrifice it at the altar to God. Anyone ever been there? I've been in prayer groups where they start gossiping more than they're praying. No? It's just me. I need better friends. I probably do. But so, so then, then the prophet, Samuel, comes up. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offerings, fat and rams. Obedience and submission is better than anything we could ever give Jesus. Surrendering our will to his will is the best gift we could ever give God. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I was not always the most obedient child growing up. I liked to test boundaries. Um, I was also not a very obedient student. And let me tell you what, it, as I got older, as I've gotten a little wiser, just a little, a skosh wiser, I've realized that my lack of surrender, my lack of submission to authorities in my life cost me more than anything. I look back at my, at my high school or my college or even my, my first few jobs as an adult and my inability to humble myself has cost me greatly, has cost me knowledge, wisdom, experience, relationships. Now, I'm not saying you should go around being a a drone or a robot doing whatever anyone says. But I really think you should take into account what the Holy Spirit wants you to do before you do anything. If we're going to have a relationship with God, that's got to be a relationship that we ask, what do you want to do today? Who do you want to bless today? How can I be on mission with you today? That's something we have to ask. We have to, but for that, we have to surrender. I've had to lay down my opinion more times than I can count when I read the Bible. I feel like I might have stepped on a toe there for someone. That your opinion versus the Bible might not be right. I've learned that when I read the Bible and I disagree with it, I'm wrong. And so your opinion needs to surrender as well. Not that you might not be correct to a degree, but God sees it differently. God has a parabolic vision. He has way more knowledge. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so when I disagree with the Bible, God welcomes that. But I need to submit to his will. That's the beautiful thing about a relationship. God's not just going to cut you off when you disagree with him. Don't you wish some of our families were like that? 
that we didn't just get cut out and pushed aside when you disagreed or you broke like an unspoken family rule. If we model and uncomplicate our lives to live like Jesus, the worlds in which we influence will start to look more like Jesus, which is okay with some mess, which is okay with some disagreement, which is okay with discomfort and a lack of convenience because it's all about growth. Pursuing healthier, transformed lives. That's the beauty of Jesus. That's the call of the gospel. We don't need to do anything else but say yes to Jesus. You see, Paul writes it this way. In Romans 10.9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It sounds pretty simple to find salvation. And I love that because Jesus knows me better than anyone and he knows that I'm not that bright. I'm not that smart. So he had to make it simple for me. He had to make it simple for me because if it was complex, I would mess it up. I would mess it up more than I already have. It's this simple and I don't always get it right. See, there's a, a, a wonderful theologian named Charles Spurgeon. And he's, he's very well known. He wrote lots and lots of amazing stuff all about understanding God and this, this, this idea of who God is and our relationship with him. And he wrote this, as time has passed on, my theology has grown more and more simple. It's simply this, Jesus loves me. Wow. I think, I think when, we, when we actually hear those words or say that to ourselves, Jesus loves me? Everything else kind of floats away. When you realize that you are loved by the creator of the heavens, when you look through, through telescopes or you look at pictures online of, of, of the galaxies and the stars and you realize the, the one who made those made me and loves me, it's, it's pretty simple to say, wow pretty simple to humble yourself and say if you did all that and you still love me I think I can go where you want me to go I think I can say yes to you because I trust you because you know everything I've done and you still say you love me I can trust you I can say yes to you even if you've messed up it's simple the, the word repentance means to turn. So if you're not following Jesus, it's simple. You turn. You repent. I was just reading today in Mark 16, verse, I want to say 7, 10 maybe. Anyways, that's not important. When Mary went to go to the, the tomb of Jesus and he wasn't there, and the angels were saying that he is risen. You know what they said? Go and tell the disciples, including Peter. Now, Peter had walked away from Jesus for a moment. 
Peter had, had said, I don't know Jesus. He had denied Jesus. But the, so there was a special note, including Peter. Simple instructions. It was go get the guys, but don't leave him out because I'm going for all of them. No matter what you've done, I want you to hear including and put your name there. That Jesus is saying including Chad. Jesus is saying including you and that he loves you deeply. Doesn't get more simple than that. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find Hope. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.